0: Just some podcast media.
1: The thoughts and opinions expressed on buried pleasures are those of the host and the guests and do not represent any news of any organizations that we may volunteer for or be employed by. Listeners, be aware that there may, most likely, be profanity in discussions on topics that may require a lot of attention. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's pollyanna Amazing from Berry Pleasures. Today, we are discussing yet again another version of What Shivers Your Timbers with my good friend, Wendy. And just as a reminder, we are a part of the Just Some Podcast Media Group. You can find me at Pleasure Pathways on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find me at Berry Pleasures on Twitter and berrypleasures.com. So... Wendy, do you want to introduce Hi. yourself? Tell the folks about who you are, how you met me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you for having me for starters. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Wendy and you and I have been friends I think oh gosh, since I want to say 2009. Does that sound does that sound right? And we worked together at uh, a large emergency department in Columbus, Ohio, and you and I are very close to the same age. And I think we just, we always seem to connect, you know, (laughs) in comparison to the other nurses that we worked with, we were some of the middle or I guess, I don't want to say middle to old because we weren't old, but we were some of the older group, the older crowd, but we, we had
1: a lot of good times in the ER working together for sure. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you being here and it's great to see you. It's so awesome whenever you reconnect with friends you haven't talked to in a long time. So this is a big, this is great for me. I'm so happy. But as we have grown through the last, mm-hmm. few, well, it's been more than 10 years now, yeah. different jobs, different me, just everywhere. <laughs> and great. you, yeah, just hanging out. So tell me a little bit, about your relationships growing up, like your Mm -hmm. first relationship, you don't have to go through the whole thing, but like kind of talk about where you are relationship wise these days.
0: Well, I'm, I'm married to my husband, Mike. Uh, we've been married, we'll be married 10 years in actually next month. And you were at our wedding. I was, it was (laughs) the greatest.
1: (laughs) Okay. Side note guys, this is the only wedding I've ever gone to in my entire existence where the groom actually threw up on the bride's dress <laughs> <laughs> and then he subsequently got carted off to the back of a truck by somebody's dad with a little trolley that you push folding chairs. Yep. On. <laughs> yeah,
0: that is facts. And he ended up uh, getting an IV in the back of a truck and getting some high, much needed hydration as he and Jameson do not have a very good relation, working relationship.
1: If you guys have never been to a firefighter, paramedic, uh, nurse, uh, wedding, it gets a little crazy, especially one that's planned for St. Patrick's day. It's just, it's a little out of control. Yeah.
0: My husband and I, I mean, obviously we have a big Irish background, but he, uh, we love St. Patrick's day. It's one of our our most favorite holidays to spend. We probably do St. Patrick's day bigger than we do any other like formal holiday, like Christmas, Thanksgiving, things like that. If you can, even imagine. So St. Patrick's Day was a big, was our theme of our wedding. And, you know, we did it upright.
1: Oh, yes, you did. I feel feel
0: like we did, at least we had fun.
1: What I can remember of it. You absolutely did.
0: (laughs) So it was a great time. But, you know, we've been married for, it'll be 10 years. And uh, when we, when we got married in 2011, uh, we started dating, I think in 2009, we each had two children. Uh, So, I had two boys. He had two girls and they were very similar in age, very close together. Mm-hmm. So we were dating and we were raising queens, teens and queen. Yeah. And that was the dynamics was, it was just crazy. Um, what were we thinking? Like, you know, right. but we dated and it was obviously not our first marriage for either one of us. It was actually our third for each of us. Third time and, The third time was a charm, third and last. And we both said that we actually at one point in time had said that neither one of us were ever going to get married again, to be very truthful. But raising four children together, you know, we felt that it was important that we set that good example for our kids. And uh, so we decided to get married and we made it. (laughs) We made it through raising the teenagers and Oh my gosh, I could tell you so many stories about raising the the four of them together. But now that we've been married for almost a decade and our kids have grown up, obviously at a very vital part of their lives, watching us as a married couple, I think that it's kind of helped them establish their own relationships and their own, you know, marriages. And I think it's helped. I really do. I like, I like to see how they're growing into their own relationships. And hopefully they don't, hopefully they don't make some of the mistakes that I made. And, but you know, if they do, that's life, right? It's life experiences. That's
1: what got us to where we're at today. That is correct. And, and I think I I can echo that just watching my son, you know, he's 20. Oh my gosh. He's almost 25 now. Mm -hmm. Ew. Anyway. (laughs) I know. I know but he is, I see him with his girlfriend's son and which they call him, he calls him Paul. He calls my son, Paul It's the cutest thing in the entire <laughs> world. I love it so much. And I love yeah. the little videos they send and Holy cow. I could just, I, I could yeah. just watch it all day long, but it, it is. And I think you're right. When you say it's nice to have that, that conjoined front where you and your partner realize and recognize that your kids are watching you and everything mm-hmm. that you do. And yeah. they're going to mimic that. You're not to say that I'd never made bad choices because Lord knows. Oh, we both did. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, Lord yeah. knows. You make some yeah. choices sometimes, but you know, I think all in all just having that loving environment to grow up in, mm-hmm. that's the best thing that you can do for them for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So now you guys have been married for 10 years and mm-hmm. things aren't necessarily the same. You grow as right. people. You're you're not the same Wendy anymore mm-hmm. and he's not the same him anymore. And you just really have to think what changed, you know, is it because you learned more about each other? did your kids teach you more about each other? Like the things that you were watching, the way that you watch your partner interact, Mm -hmm. what was it for you that made your husband just that guy, the right guy for you in that situation?
0: Well, for me, I mean, when I look back to where I was at in the time in my life when I met him, I mean, I had just come out of a really nasty divorce and a bad relationship. And, you know, I had this saying, I'm like, all right, listen, the next guy that I interact with has to have a job. He has to be able to, you know, take care of himself financially. He has to have his own place that he's living. You know, I had all of these, this criteria that I Absolutely that next person had to meet every single one of those pieces of criteria. Yeah. So that's where we were at. And then when I think the biggest selling, I don't want to say selling point but the, <laughs> big thing, <laughs> the biggest thing that I noticed what made him stand out apart from any other guy that I had really dated or which was very few at that point in time, I was busy with teenage kids. Gotcha. But he was just very loving and he loved his kids and it was it it was obvious that he loved his children he was a very caring um, natured person he tended to listen to what i was saying he cared about what you know he cared if i had gasoline in my car he cared if i needed to drive to the hospital 50 some miles in a snowstorm Um, those sort of things and up to that point i had never had anybody take that kind of personal just hearing about me and just, you know, wanting to make sure that I was okay. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest thing about Mike that kind of drew me to him.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm pretty sure that everybody in on the planet thinks that Mike is a sweetheart because he totally yeah. is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what, in the realm of if you're a nurse and you ever start talking about dating paramedic firefighter mm-hmm. type of people, there's always that big, but if. This. But if.
0: <laughs> in in you know, and now that you bring that up, like, I mean, that is interesting because there's definitely a connection between a lot of ER nurses in particular, they're typically drawn to either a cop or a medic. And because, you know, we spend so much of our lives in the ER working, they you know, it's more of a first family, first or second family, or the nurses that you work with, those are the people that you become, you spend all your holidays with, your birthdays, everything. Yeah. But, you interact with those guys and that's the connection I think for a lot of people and there's good and bad things about that you know I hate to admit it right but oh well, I hate I, I really do hate to admit it but on both sides of the pl- of the table oh, for sure, you will hear many stories of infidelity mm-hmm. you will hear you know just you know who to stay away from, you yes. knew who to go towards and gravitate towards and they have quite the reputation, but, but on both sides,
1: both sides, I'll agree nurses, they, they kick up their heels just as much as paramedics 100%. do, I'm sure of it, <laughs> yeah. that is definitely a fact. So mm-hmm. knowing that and, and knowing where you are with, with Mike now and your great mm-hmm. relationship because of your yeah. ability to communicate better now. Right. what would you what would you tell your 18-year-old self right now after being married three times after <laughs> having all these kids what would you what would you say to yourself
0: well i would say in terms of relationships that you know don't rush things that where you're at in your 18-year-old self you're going to be complete you're going to change at least three times your personality, your wants, your needs, your desires, by the time you reach my age, which is almost 47 years old, you know? So don't get too crazy about the guy that you're trying to date or the girl or whatever, I guess, you know, just don't get so caught up in it Yeah. and focus more on your own feelings and get set to get grounded in your life. I don't think there's any 18 year old kid out there that knows exactly what they want to be in life or what they want to do in life. I mean, there's a few, I guess, but um, you know, it's going to change, but just to focus on yourself, I think really get grounded in who you are um, dig into your family, you know, depend upon your elders. I mean, I know that sounds so cliche, but like, I, I wish I would have listened to my parents more when I was 18 I
1: guess that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to say, you know. Well, everybody has that. Well, at least I did that cool aunt that says, mm-hmm. "Girl, you are doing it wrong. You need to slow yeah. it down. Don't yeah take, take your time." That sort you know, of. I
0: I didn't. I didn't have that cool aunt. I had a cool grandma that was, you know, she would always listen to me and and just kind of let me spout off a little bit about things. And but I really didn't have anybody to kind of depend on to give me those life experiences that. I knew I was going to be faced with, right? I didn't have anybody that went through that. My parents never shared that with me. Sure. And, you know, so in in terms of relationships, that's what I think I would probably say to my to my 18-year-old self that it's going to change. It's going to get better. You just have to stay strong, you know? Yeah. In terms of what goes along with that with most 18-year-old kids is a sexual component. Oh yeah. You know, where you're 18 years old and you might be in a relationship and you're in a situation where, you know, you're having sex maybe for the first time, maybe you're a little bit more experienced, but really you're not. (laughs) And I think I probably would tell myself consent is huge Sure. because you just think that you are supposed to have sex with that person because you think that's what they want. Right. You're doing it more so, especially an 18-year-old girl, Girl, you're doing it more so for acceptance and then for what yourself, like what you want out of it. Because I don't think there's an 18-year-old girl that knows how to have an orgasm yet.
1: Right. Well, not not, not like a, you know, a not mid-40s. like a real one. <laughs> not like your <laughs> mid-40s. And then, you know, honestly, I've had Oh, my little aunts that have a set of twin aunts and, and God love them. One of them just passed away this past year. And the other one, um, my whole family, Alzheimer's has just decimated. But back in the day they used to make these little snide comments about, Oh, wait till you're in your fifties because orgasms get crazy. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, Ew, stop talking like that. But it's true. Like it's <laughs> it true it for sure. And that's another thing. Like when you're a teenager, you're wanting like, all of this this feeling so you want this love and acceptance and and yeah. it's just like what you said you're having sex for acceptance and you may have set up a boundary for yourself initially to be like okay so i'm gonna do maybe maybe i'll touch his his penis i'll do a little hand job action or mm-hmm. and for the guys for justin podcast out there yes i just said hand job action <laughs> they give me such a hard time over the people who message me to teach them how to give themselves hand jobs anyway the greatest thing, but you know, or maybe I'm just going to uh, let him touch my boobs, or maybe I'm just going to let him touch my butt or, you know, maybe over the pants, not under the pants kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, but then in your mind, you're like, well, he wants more. So you abandon what you believe to be, to be, you know, what's true to your heart. And for the sake of making the other person have pleasure. So I think that's the big disconnect when you're 18 versus like, I'll be, I'm 47. I think that we don't think about how it makes us feel until we get this age because of years and years and years of just piling more garbage onto ourselves Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. allowing um, our own minds to think about that when we're younger. So now we're not just trying to have sex, sex 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 as much as we can um as frequently as we can as many times as we can wherever we can all those places <laughs> because you got 5 minutes let's get it let's get it done yeah. 5 dad. minutes before my parents get home <laughs> Exactly or my yeah. dad's coming in it's going to be shit show if you're here so yeah. now it's more like oh so we have to talk about it and we really need to know each other and we really we we need to Think about what each other really appreciates about these interactions, mm-hmm. instead of yeah. uh, "bam, bam, thank you, ma'am." You may have another. <laughs> right. right, yeah. For
0: well, Mike and I, I can tell you that you know the the biggest part of our. The first part of our marriage, obviously, we had kids. We had kids at the house. I mean, you just and and then with our crazy work schedules and whatnot, you know, sex was not on the forefront. It was not a priority. Right. It was just get through the day. And you know, I think you as a couple. Um, you kind of shove that off and you just you make that the last thing that you want to do once you get into bed at night because you're either all day with the kids or you've worked all night and you've had a hard shift or whatever. And it just was never a priority. And I think um, you know, if I had to give some advice to couples that are in our position or or were in our position that have younger kids and that are home you have to make it a priority because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, those kids are going to grow up and they're going to leave the house. And then it's just the two of you and you can don't be like where we were at like a few years ago when our final kid left the house, we were like, okay, who are you? And I I see you walking around my house, but who are you and what, what are you doing here? And that's kind of where we were at. Um, From a relationship standpoint, about three to four years ago, Mm -hmm. I think I had changed jobs. I'd left the bedside nursing about six years ago, and I I went into a sedentary job, which was probably the biggest, the best, and the worst thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, we work in when you're in the ER setting or in a paramedic type setting or job, firefighting, whatever. You're working in high stress jobs you have an adrenaline rush. There's, I really firmly believe that there's something related to the adrenaline that your body seeks and, and it relates to how you react sexually. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if I'm making sense, but totally do. you know, when you have a high adrenaline job and you you're constantly looking for that rush. Right. And I think when you put it into the to our relationship where we had a bunch of kids it's like okay if sex lasted two or 3 minutes and we were able to get a quickie off then we're going to call it a day right now shift forward a few years where you know I personally left the bedside and and went into a sedentary type job i got that adrenaline crash right and you know, it kind of led into a depression, anxiety, low libido, definitely didn't want to have sex. Now that we had the opportunity that we could be having more thoughtful, mindful sex, quality sex, it wasn't happening. Right. Right. So, and then, you know, put on top of that, this, who are you and why are you in my house kind <laughs> of deal thing? Cause you don't really know this person. Cause you've just been so busy getting through life. Right. If I had to give advice to somebody, it's like, listen, you have to stop what you're doing. If you have to make a scheduled appointment to have sex with your spouse, you have to do it. You have to make a priority for date nights. You have to make a priority for sex. Mm -hmm. It just is a necessity. Right. So.
1: And I'm glad that you brought that up because also something that we teach in Tantra is the importance of a date night with yourself. Yeah. Right, So not allowing yourself to fall into, I can only be pleasured when my partner is around. And again, like some couples have this ability to allow each other space. And some couples do not. I, I have this fight with one particular person and you know who you are all the time who says, that's my vagina. She's not allowed to touch it when I'm not at home. And I caution them constantly about using things like that because when you do, you are really like you can't, you're not allowed to negate what somebody feels about themselves. So <laughs> you're that you're right. not allowed. Yeah. You may, you may think you can. But in their mind, all you're doing is setting up resentment. And that's really hard for younger couples, I think, because, you know, you get that first relationship and you're just like, oh, it's a new toy and it's mine and nobody else can touch it right now. Yeah. Mine, mine, mine. And that's where our brains go. And we need, like you were saying, to level up with dopamine sometimes Mm -hmm. because we need that action.
0: We need that
1: feeling. We need to feel elated. That's why People like to play video games where they're leveling up on a constant basis. That's why people like anything in life, you wanna do better so that you can feel better about it. But mm-hmm. there are times that when you say things like that, like you can't do that if I'm not here, you can't touch yourself, you can't massage yourself in a pleasurable way, a pleasurable way then you're really, um, you, that's a disconnect that you need to remedy immediately if that's going on, because nobody owns you or your body parts. And if you want to touch them, touch them. But honestly, there's the, the converse side of that, where, you know, if you have a partner who is stimulating themselves and leaving and you feel left out, then you need to have that conversation. That's Mm -hmm. a, it's an important conversation to have as well. And You know, just like you were saying, when you have kids and and you're wearing that mom hat, you're wearing your nurse hat, your paramedic, firefighter, whomever, whatever yeah. your job is. When you when that hat goes away, you have to new you you have to relearn who the hell you are. You right. don't know who you are yourself, and then you're in yeah your kids that buffer where the kids like the only thing you have to talk about in the day are your kids. Mm-hmm. You really have to work at figuring out. Yeah. You do
0: it. And it's hard work. It really is. And I think the biggest part of that is just for anybody listening that might be going through that is it's okay to love yourself Mm -hmm. because it, I mean, I feel, I went through a period where I felt very selfish and and a lot of guilt that I wanted to go shopping, wanted to go get my nails done. I think self-love and self-care is really important um and and once you're okay with that then I think everything else just starts to open up that once you accept that you know i'm allowed to treat myself to something every now and then then with self-love comes self-pleasure that's
1: right and, and you pleasure doesn't have to be you sexually stimulating yourself no, by the way guys
0: it, <laughs> for, me, for me truthfully it started with, keeping a bottle of Palmer's cocoa butter oil in my shower. And at the end of my shower, I massaged it into my skin. That's great. Like, I mean, but it's just, it's something little like that. That you have to, you're feeling what that feels like. If it led to something else, then it led to something else. But it it started there. It's just those little things that you have to do for yourself to, make to get the ball rolling in your mind.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So now that you have these grown up kids, mm-hmm. stepkids, yeah. what are you seeing in their relationship? And you don't have to dime them out on any of their relationships. No. But are you seeing them involved in loving and kind relationships or yeah. are you are you seeing them be their lovely selves? How's how's that going?
0: Well, we have four kids. We have two boys, two girls. My oldest son is going to be 26 this year. He just got married in August and he is in a very loving relationship. They are expecting their first child. And, you know, he's, he's my type A personality kid that wants to please everybody. So he does a really good job. I see him being very caring towards his wife. My second son is, has some of those same characteristics, um, but he has, i think started to go down the path that I went down and he was involved in a marriage and unfortunately it's ending and i just you know you don't want to see history repeat itself but I feel like he could be very well going down that path and I hate that for him my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter she has for the most part just devoted her entire life to raising their son now she's involved in a relationship and they are their dynamics it's just like you you can see certain parts of the things that we've taught them and then you can just see how they're kind of like venturing out on their own like they want to explore and do their own thing and they want their own kind of relationship but it all circles back to how their upbringing was with mike and i for the last you know 10 years or when they lived with us primarily but it's just it's interesting to sit there and watch them and you know you, you'll see him kind of argue and bicker every now and then and be like mm, well you know i'm just going to turn around and walk away and not offer any kind of advice and that's really hard for me to do but it's interesting <laughs> I, to see them I grow
1: like be, i am a meddling mom totally yeah,
0: i try really hard not to be a meddling mom because it comes it just comes back to bite me all the time if i especially with my youngest son you know i've I've offered all kinds of legal advice going through this divorce and everything. And I would do this. I would do that. And I shouldn't do any of that.
1: But it's hard as a mom. I it's hard, it's hard it. as a mom because you don't want to see
0: them get hurt. And, you know, it's just difficult. It's difficult yeah. to sit back and watch
1: that. I get it. Because there's probably been a handful of times that I've said, to yeah, my son, I will whoop that girl's ass if she doesn't mm-hmm. straighten up. <laughs> you, yeah. won't get, you won't get the chance to break up with her but now right. oh, I'm a different person now I don't do that anymore I have come to the realization that you know that it doesn't work unfortunately yeah but and me uh, I mean I'm very blunt I mean yeah. you know me I'm gonna tell you <laughs> what it is and
0: I don't hold back Um, especially when it comes to if I think somebody's gonna hurt one of my kids oh, for sure. I'll tell it I'll and I've been oh god I mean, it's created a lot of hardships with us, especially when they were newly forming their relationships. Yeah. And I've just, I've learned from my mistakes and I've learned to keep my mouth shut mm-hmm. as much as I possibly can and not offer that, that advice that they really don't want to hear. They have to go through their own life experiences.
1: Do. And unfortunately we get to watch them fail, but fortunately we also get to see them succeed. So yeah. Right. Those are all, those are all fantastic things. Mm -hmm. So talking about going from this new relationship with your husband 10 years ago yeah uh what would you what do you qualify your sex as like in the beginning was it hot sex passionate mm-hmm. quick you said before yeah. now what is it is it more of a loving touching kind of caring kind of stuff or mm-hmm. are you still just banging it out as much as you can <laughs> i
0: think that you should have a combination of everything okay um so i mean definitely in the beginning i think we were dating and uh, living between two houses and we had days off together. And I think there were days when we probably didn't get out of bed until it was time to get the kids or something like that. And there was a lot of, you know, sex involved there. Then when we got married and had the kids, it was just, let's bang it out in the shower. I'll see you tomorrow or three days later, who knows when I'm going to see you again. Now it's, now we have time to spend together. And I think, some of the things that you learn when you're growing when you get older in general is just time is of the essence and you're not guaranteed tomorrow so i think to make the most of each and every day that you have together we are about to shift again to where he is about to retire so that's a big yeah that's a big thing he will be retired in a year um a year from about now so he has like 78 shifts left
1: holy cow you got him counted down that's awesome
0: so we're I think now it's it's more important now than ever to fix, like I talked about, you know, that time period of once all the kids were gone, you didn't really didn't really know each other. You had to re-communicate or re-learn who you were married to. Yeah, for sure. Um with that comes a lot of communication. And especially with everything I went through with changing jobs and stuff, it was a lot of shutdown, but are we going to talk about it at all? And you just keep shoving it down, shoving it down, shoving it down until eventually it comes to a head. And for me, that was probably about a year or so ago when it came to a final head. And I'm like, look, I don't want to divorce you, but I don't know who you are and you don't know who I am. So if we don't make each other a priority at this point in time, we're not going to make it. And we've already overcome so much. We deserve to make it. So it's putting ourselves back into taking our time making it a priority to get to know each other once again. And with that came some really good sex. <laughs> so, and I think it's okay to tell somebody that, you know, it's okay to experience pleasure. It's okay to take your time and tell that person what you want, because I didn't, that's probably the one point or one part of my life where I didn't, I wasn't blunt to the point outspoken was what my, what my needs were.
1: Right. Do you think it was because you didn't know, because you didn't explore them yourself mm-hmm. or what? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Because I'm thinking along just,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: just getting through it, right. you know, and right. you don't really figure out what you want.
1: Right. And that's a big thing for a lot of people. I think, especially some of the students that I've had in the past, they just, mm-hmm. Can't figure out for the life of them why their partner yeah. change their mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you know, I think a lot of what you want and sexually um, comes from your own self exploration. Uh-huh. Yeah. What feels good, what doesn't feel good. Oh, you know, masturbation is a is a must. It's a must. I
1: think,
0: like, right. <laughs> you know, you have time to do that. And we, you know, we have been in our Careers where it's just been balls to the wall. You know, you're just going nonstop, that you don't take that time. And, you know, think back to when we worked night shift, um, we would come home and maybe sleep for three or four hours, get up, get in the shower, get the kids ready, and back to work. Did we ever really take time in that shower to get ourselves off? No. We should have before we went to work.
1: Listen, I don't know, know if you remember that. We really stressed. Yeah. Well, what we used to do was leave work and have pizza and drink yeah. then, <laughs> and then go back to work again. After. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, we would sleep, but right. yeah, we just did for me personally, I never took, I never made it a
1: priority ever, mm-hmm. ever now it's like, it has to be a priority. Right. Do you think that that may be partly because of how you were raised, where you were really, mm-hmm. raised very religious?
0: Yeah. I mean, we were, I was raised with, I mean, my parents have been married for 55 years and you know, that they, they made it sound like, you know, you stay strictly monogamous, you stay in one marriage, you, you know, only have sex with one person. I'm like, you raised us a hoe.
1: Listen, my mom always said that, you know, like you need to fall in love with that one guy. Yeah. But then, grow uh, up and get married. And yeah, because my talk. dad was the only guy that she ever kissed and ah. loved until I found out different. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I totally get that. And and I think we all have that grandiose idea of like, we want our kids to have everything be perfect. And religious beliefs are huge for some people that are trying to, you know, foray into masturbation. But I want to caution people, when we say pleasure, it doesn't necessarily always have to be of a sexual nature. Anything that makes you feel better. If you want it, like Wendy had her oil in the shower and she would massage herself after a shower. That's not necessarily to get sexual pleasure. Did it maybe sometimes escalate to that? It could, who knows? But a lot. yeah, well, there you have it. <laughs> but some of these things are just like taking five minutes to to brush your own hair to like whatever, like massage, hand massage, foot massage. I got one of those new, um, the, it's a sharper image, uh, massager, the gun looking one for deep tissue (laughs) massage, dude, that thing is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And it's not for vaginal pleasure. It would probably kill you, but Like for somebody like me who has tense muscles, it's the most relaxing thing ever. So that's what I want to encourage any of the listeners out there to think about what would make you feel better in the day, not necessarily sex, although it could be um, with yourself, <laughs> most definitely. So Wendy, what have you done in like, you're you you've got these changes you went f- from this one job that you've had bedside nursing forever how long were you a bedside nurse like forever right oh
0: 15 years probably right. enough yeah a long time
1: <laughs> and now you're doing this other job that you work from home I'm guessing yes mm-hmm. okay and so thinking about how those all have connected. Now, where do you think like your sex has gone? Your, your pleasure with sexuality. Do you think that, um, in the past, did you have a favorite thing? And now that you and Mike are growing together, have you figured out some new favorite things?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely, I I feel like there's more of an emphasis of quality versus quantity. Um, you know it's we're still kind of we're still kind of battling with the scheduling so you know he's not here every day of the week obviously um i with just my shift of things have taken more of a priority in self pleasure thing <laughs> because if i am here by myself why not right and because that kind of leads up to build up to when he does come home but Um, I think everybody kind of gets stuck in a rut at times with their sex and they, they have certain positions that they, that's their go-to position because they know they're going to get off and Mm -hmm, everything is good. But for me, for us personally, it was the taking it as a challenge to not go to those normal positions or whatever. And let's try this. Let's do that. So (laughs) You know, I think it's just, but with that comes like the only way that you're going to figure that out is if you're either listening to a lot of erotica or listening to a lot of podcasts that talk about it or reading or watching porn or buying new toys. That's the only way you're going to figure it out.
1: So in your relationship, are you guys a porn couple? Do you watch porn together? Mm -hmm. you like erotica? How does does that go for you? For
0: me personally, I'll listen to some erotica. I mean, that. The best self-care for me is to go take a bath, get a glass of wine, take a couple toys, go light a candle, and put my earbuds in and go listen to some erotica and then I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> we watch porn, it's just not a priority. Like I, I don't know if it's necessarily needed. I think for, for us right now it's um more intimate and more pleasurable if we go to bed and really crank up the foreplay. I think that was, that's one thing that you didn't really get a a lot of when you're raising kids, you didn't have time for a lot of foreplay. And now we make that a priority. That's Um,
1: that's important. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Much important.
0: I think it was, that came from a lot of communication. Like, listen, you can't just like you can't just start your car when it's negative 20 degrees and expect it to run and get in your car and run, you know, go directly to work. You can't do that. A woman's body is exactly the same. Like you can't can't just stick it in and expect me to come in like three seconds. It's not going to happen. It's
1: not going to happen. So what we say on the show is you can't cook a turkey without turning on the oven. (laughs) You got to turn the knobs. Them you, them gotta turn you gotta
0: turn the knob a
1: lot. You gotta adjust the rack. You never yes. know. Make sure your pan is the right size. Sometimes Correct. It takes a little bigger pan, sometimes a little smaller. You never know. You never Just know. Just depends on how juicy the turkey is too to how quick it gets done. So think about it that way. <laughs> But one of the things that I think is really cool is you were talking to me before we even did this interview about mindfulness and meditation. Yeah. Take me through your day of how you how you become windy in the morning.
0: <laughs> so I I started practicing uh mindfulness meditation um about a year or so ago, like when all this shifted and I just I was the first person to say, Oh my gosh, that's so cliche. I'm not going to sit there and have a guided meditation. Somebody sit there. Like I can't just relax. Right. And, but I forced myself to do it. Um, and now I guess I practice it probably two or three times a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing in the morning, um, usually before I even get out of bed, I will listen to a morning guided meditation mm-hmm. and it just kind of kickstarts my day. Um, I try very hard to be mindful at, around lunchtime because I do work from home. Um, for me personally, being mindful would be to, to go take a walk, listen to a podcast like yours, or, yay. you know,
1: maybe I she do. The very pleasures while she's walking, Phyllis. That's I do.
0: Happens. I walk <laughs> fast, I get a little extra tingle in the jingle, and just go on about my day. <laughs> so it kind of sets it up for later in the afternoon. But then towards later in the evening, like I mentioned, um, I will if I'm here by myself, I really will relax with a bath, um, perform some kind of self-care mm-hmm. because it's very easy when you work from home to get into this routine of looking homeless. And I try very hard not to do that, but perform some act of self-care. And then that typically will lead into some sort of a self-pleasure.
1: Mm-hmm. I gotcha. So I think one of the things that I tried to do when the pandemic struck and they were having us do video visits, like the same mm-hmm. thing. I don't get to work from home every day, Yeah. but on those days I do, like I'd work a few days in a row while I was wearing pajamas and a, and a mm-hmm. shirt just so people could see my face on the camera for right. the, uh, televisit. But I got to thinking, oh my gosh, this is gross. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because, here's my progression in life. So, uh, I don't know if anybody out there grew up during the eighties and nineties, but our hair was huge and our clothes were ridiculous and mom jeans are back in. What's wrong with you kids? Stop it right now. Anyway,
0: (laughs) there's something that should not ever come back around.
1: I'm just waiting for that day for the hair to get big again. But you know, I went from that to scrubs. I have been mm-hmm. in scrubs basically since I got my first job at the age of, I was 16 yeah. with that, but at 18. So here I am in scrubs for my entire life. And now I'm working from home and I've got to wear pajamas because it's not comfortable just to sit around and other stuff. But so what I did, I got myself out of that mindset because that's what we sabotage ourselves a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, we totally do. So I started putting on a dress so I'm not wearing pants. So they're not all bunched up and making me feel uncomfortable. And if I happen to walk down the hallway and my husband's in his office and I walk in, give him a kiss on the head, maybe he pats me on my butt. Holy shit. Next level, next level. Because even though, we're not making out or, you know, doing it in his office. He just patted my butt and it felt good. And now, ah, I feel a little sexier today. Yeah. Maybe I put on something, you know, maybe put on some sexy underwear under there and maybe do a little flash show in the afternoon. Who knows? But that's just the buildup for later on in the evening. So that's how I got through that doing that or to get myself out of of that whole mindset of just, yeah, Wet. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's amazing what brushing your hair, brushing your teeth, washing your face, whether or not you put makeup on, but if you change your clothes, it's amazing how much more productive you are throughout your day. And I've worked from home since 2016. So I worked from home before it was cool to work from home during the (laughs) pandemic. So, you know, I feel like I've been through all phases of, of like what not to do when you work from home, but definitely. I feel like I owe it to Mike when he is here during the day to, you know, look presentable and not homeless. And when I, I say that, I, I obviously we're not homeless, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. you just, you look like you rolled out of bed and that's all you did. Yeah. And so I try really hard not to, um, you know, even if it's wearing my hair down versus a messy bun or something, you know, it's, it does make a huge difference. And those thongs, like literally. This is no lie. We've been married for 10 years together for over 11. My husband just told me like last weekend that he's like, I think you should start wearing thongs. Like I like a thong. And I'm like, oh, no. if we've been together this whole entire time and you've never told me that you wanted me to wear a thong, like all this, all these years I've been walking around in these granny panties almost like not really flattering, not really sexy. So I go to town this weekend and buy a bunch of thongs for sure shit. I put it on and I'm like, damn, I look like a badass. Right. Why do I not do this every single day? Great. Right. So I started wearing thongs, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super- i'm super happy to know you can you can envision
1: that now so if anybody worked with us years ago now you know wendy now you know now and not just the girls that we made fun of for bending down at the bedside and seeing their whale tail no Um, i remember those days a lot i do too (laughs) (laughs) and girl don't you know always wear white underwear if you're wearing white scrub pants Ew. anyway okay i digressed (laughs) I digressed. Oh, so well, let's go back to, um, quality versus quantity talk. And in that I have a lot of, of people that message me or write in and say, you know, well, I'm not having as much sex as I hear my friend is, or I see online that these people say they're doing it this many times. And, and I, I can barely do it one time a week. What do you (laughs) think about people or or what would you say to somebody whenever they say that to you? Like, oh my gosh, you and Mike are having all these great sex encounters and blah, blah, blah. And (laughs) I'm over here. I can't do anything. What would you say?
0: Well, I mean, you got to make, you have to
1: evaluate your life.
0: You, You overall have to evaluate your relationship and what's important and what you have determined is a priority. I know I keep saying priority, but that's the truth. Like if you, you have to find some way to connect to that person on a different level. And I guess that's just what I have placed as a priority in our relationship and our marriage. Um, and I think, you know, if you're making that deep connection and talking to that person about what's important to them, um, there's something very sensual about that. And it could just be, you're having dinner and you're sitting there and the conversation is about everyday life, but then you have to kind of just switch gears and make it about something sexual, um, for us, because otherwise we would have just went to bed and we wouldn't have had sex. So I think you have to make it a priority. You have to have that, be able to communicate and Ask yourselves like what's stopping you? What's that roadblock that's keeping you from having good sex? Because everybody can have that if they want it. Right. Right. So you have to ask yourself, what, why don't you want to do that? Or then turn around and put that on your partner and say, why aren't we having good sex? Right. Right. You know, there's nothing wrong with us being able to do that. We're for us, you know, we're we live alone. We don't have kids. We don't have those interruptions. We have the dog walking in our bedroom every now and then, but there's nothing stopping us from doing that now. Right. So take advantage of every little bit of time that you have together because life is too short.
1: Yeah. And and I think that just because of the, the nature of the business that we have been in for years, mm-hmm. I think that is something that we realize a little bit sooner than yeah. later. And not to say that other people don't, but I think it's in the face of people who are yeah. dealing with life and death every day. So right. That- it a little bit um a little more pertinent and a little more urgent to it get is. And,
0: and honestly it's more it's a stress reliever for us I mean I think it if we if we can take a half hour or an hour however long you know we're in bed together or wherever we decide to have sex that time if we can just take an hour out of our day to not think about what the other stuff is going on. And that's where mindfulness comes into play for me, because it's very easy for my mind to get sidetracked. And, you know, I can triage a complete total list of things that I need to do while I'm trying to give a blow job. So (laughs) that's just how good I am. I mean, I can sit there and be blowing him and be like, all right, I need to get that load of laundry out of the dryer before it wrinkles up. And uh, what are we going to have for dinner tomorrow? Gosh, you're what, so cute. That's what are we going to have for dinner in two weeks? Yeah, the grocery. You know, um, the I get grocery that. The things that. you do Women tend to do that for guys. It's just, you know, they're, they click and it's there. They're there. They're in the they're moment. thinking of
1: their favorite porn star versus yeah. whatever they just saw on Twitter, or whatever they right, just saw. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. they're very visual, and we are more, a little more cerebral in thought about sex. Oh thought. yeah, we need the safety. Guys can just do it and and do it just to do it. Yeah, <laughs> no. But he, that brings me to another topic too. Um, and with you guys, Mike's advancing in age, and and mm-hmm. tell him when he hears this. I'm not calling you old, Mike. I swear, you're awesome. But. Um, <laughs> Things like medications, blood pressure, yeah. erectile dysfunctions, all of those sort of things also play in for men as yeah. well as women. So have you guys had discussions on any of that? Has that ever been an issue? And you don't have to answer that. Like
0: <laughs> it's been an issue on both sides. Um, you know, as I've aged, um, I've went through the whole menopause thing. And I think when, you're, when your hormones are not in check, then that plays a huge role in um, your libido, your vaginal dryness. I mean, it's, that's a legit thing. If you don't have lube on the bedside, you know, that's something wrong. There's something wrong, but so that plays a huge role for me personally. um, Sitting down, having that conversation with my doctor, like, look, I'm 46 years old. I shouldn't, I should be wanting to have sex. Like what the hell is wrong with me? And just having those conversations with your provider. Right. There's not a lot of people out there that, that provide that kind of education and that not a lot of providers that want to dive deep into those hormonal issues and balances. Right. For him, yes, he's going to be 55 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's definitely some prostate issues going on and that kind of leads to other stuff. And I think you just kind of have to, again, um, be open to share that information with your provider and explain what's going on. Because if you're having an issue with ED or premature ejaculation or whatever, you shouldn't feel ashamed to go in and have those discussions with your provider. Cause those are the people that are going to help you. Absolutely. And there should be no shame in any of that, any of this topic whatsoever you should not shame yourself into not having or being pleasured or having pleasure or it's not a bad thing to be pleasured
1: right i think one of the biggest changes for me as being a provider in ohio versus washington Mm -hmm. state is that this, I mean, like where I, where I live and where I practice, there are a lot of elderly people. There's a lot of, there's huge military retirement communities up here. Yeah. And when I see these people, they don't, they're not ashamed to talk about doing it. And I love that, but back home it would not have been the same conversation. It's not the
0: same. It's, it's not the same. And it's just, there's a stigma around all of this. And you know, no guy ever wants to go into his doctor's office and admit that he's can't get an erection, or you know, he's ejaculating in 32 seconds, not 35. Right. Um,
1: <laughs> That's one of the things. Whenever I precept yeah. practitioners, I've always said, really, like you got to hit on um, sexuality because mm-hmm. when it comes to depression, anxiety, those sorts of things, if yeah. people don't feel comfortable talking about their how they feel that's a problem and you're not going to be able to give them the appropriate, um, advice or information that they need. But again, it's, it's recognizing those people who you think would be open to it as a provider. You really have to think about like, Mm -hmm. yeah, are they going to be open? How can I broach this subject? How can I make them feel better about, uh, being more comfortable talking to me about those things? I think that's huge absolutely huge yeah that's cool that at least but with you and Mike you're both medical providers so like you you get it and then
0: we get it but you would still have like you know me I'm an open book I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna tell my doctor that hey this is what's going on not so much for Mike I mean it's we struggled with some premature issues and I'm like Look, there's ways to help that. Like you right. just have to go and you have to have this big boy conversation with your doctor and just right. get to the bottom of it. First and foremost, I want to make sure that you're healthy. Like there's nothing, you know, there's nothing causing this. I want to make sure that you're okay. Right. right. And then if that's the case and we rule all of this out, then there's other ways and there's other methods and treatments that we'll we'll come up with to make it all come up and come out <laughs> slowly. <laughs>
1: I love this conversation. This is the greatest. But yeah, I mean, for men, it can be a, a terrible conversation for women, yeah. though, they don't want to talk about having low libido. And that's where you get that whole, I'll just fuck through it. I'll just fuck through it and let him do whatever he needs to do. And then I'll just be here miserable and unsatisfied. And Mm -hmm. that's how people get divorced guys. So yeah, you
0: just lay there like a limp noodle. And I mean, it just, it's no good for anyone. Nothing good comes from that feeling.
1: That's right. You know,
0: nothing good comes from it.
1: No, it doesn't. And it's so sad to see people have that happen, but it happens all the time and it's normal and natural. But what it is that we're trying to do is to make the conversation a little bit easier to have. Mm Bring up the subject. It's not 1930 anymore. Right. We can talk about sex. We can talk about our feelings. If you have a group of lady friends or a group of guy friends, and you're not talking about sexual issues, you need to be because that's who you're like. That's your target audience. There. That's yeah. You know, or you need new friends. Right. <laughs> or you do need new friends. That could totally be it. <laughs> like I mean, if
0: you if you're around me long enough and you have enough wine involved, you're pretty sure that you're going to see. My Hitaki magic wand by the end of the night. And I may, or may not demonstrate how to use it properly.
1: <laughs> Listen, that's the best thing. That's going back to kids and that sort of yeah. thing. I've mentioned this a million times. Well, my son would never in a million years talk about sex stuff. Yeah. But I got his girlfriend. She's on the hook. She listens to the podcast. And you know, I love you, young lady. Anyway, <laughs> I do. I love that. And his friends would come to the house and they would touch my vagina models and my penis models and they want to mm-hmm. talk about it. And I want to tell them about it because yeah. who's teaching these kids? Nobody. Because right. as parents, you, you just think, okay, they'll figure it out on their own just like I did, just like my parents did. yeah. But yeah. we need to have the conversation, guys, because there are some really insane things going on in the world. And our kids don't know what's going on. And I think it's important. And again, it's you're at your own comfort level. I'm not trying to shame anybody into telling you, you have to talk about having sex around your children, that sort of thing. But you really do need to see if they have questions, you need to find them resources. If they have yeah. things that they're concerned about, then you need to help them. That's what being a parent is all about. It's not ignoring the issue. It's, it's getting to the bottom of it. And yeah, that's, that's my, an important part of, of what I do um, with sex education. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it's so important because I mean, my kids, obviously we weren't opposed to whipping out a text, a nursing textbook and showing them pictures of like, you know, genital herpes or, or, HPV or anything like that. We had, we had these weird discussions with our kids or at least I did. I probably wasn't as open and forthcoming as I should have been with my children. But um, my daughter-in-law is a uh, home ec teacher. It's, oh, nice. They call it something different nowadays, but part of her curriculum is sex education. And we actually had this conversation the other day and I told her, I said, kind of goes along the lines of what you asked me about, you know, what would you tell your 18 year old self? Yeah. And I told her, I said, listen, I said, the big thing that you need to teach these kids is that yes, you want to teach abstinence because for obvious reasons, we don't need a bunch of teenage pregnancies, things like that, but let's be realistic. And we know that these kids are going to have sex, Mm -hmm. So teach them about consent, teach these girls that they don't absolutely have to drop their panties and, you know, have sex with these guys, um, just for acceptance purposes and teach these guys that, you know, you shouldn't you're going to have sex and you're going to have it a bunch in your life, but you don't need to be having it with multiple girls in the school. Um, But teach consent and just have these conversations because I feel like that's part of, for my problem personally, I didn't have that education and I didn't have anybody telling me that it was okay to masturbate, for example. Right. Like, it's okay. Like an 18 year old girl. Yeah. Go ahead and masturbate. You should learn. You should start to learn about your body, learn your erogenous zones Mm -hmm. because you have them. You just don't know where they're at. You don't know what they're called. Right. You know, so that you don't have to figure it out when you're 47 years old, like me.
1: Right. Well, you know, that was one of the funniest things when I started Tantra class, it's only been three, four years ago now. Mm Mm-hmm. I had never seen the full-on diagram of a clitoris fact I'm i yeah. I've been a nurse for a hundred years <laughs> yeah I never knew that just that little piece sticking out is not the clitoris that there is a whole structure yeah.
0: Enough it looks like a wishbone, I think. Right, right? Exactly.
1: Well, it's actually homologous to the penis. So if you think about it, if you invert a penis, there Mm -hmm. is the testicles become the ovaries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's really interesting way of thinking. And honestly, we, we really don't teach well enough I don't think, well, and maybe they are now, you know, we're a little bit older, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that is getting, um, maybe that's getting a little more uh, airplay than it used to, but. I hope so. yeah. I hope they teach these guys how to like actually touch one. Right, right. So that's a big thing. Like when we teach in Tantra, one of the most important practices is the 25 to 35 minutes of clitoral stimulation. That's external genital, Mm -hmm. massage, whatever you want to do before you even try to slide Mm -hmm. a penis in there. So think about that, guys. Like how many quickies have you had in your lifetime? Like I've probably had more than I can count ever or even I've probably forgot more than I can remember. Agreed, same. So, (laughs) But yeah, we have these encounters and we were really, you know, and you can get off in an encounter like that. You totally can. You can have an orgasm just like that. But is it a? Well, I want quality over quantity. Quality. These days. Right. That's it. I'm a, I'm a quality over quantity kind of gal, but in Tantra, and when you can learn to be multi-orgasmic on different levels, and then men also can learn to be multi-orgasmic that, let me just tell you is amazing. And it's like, <laughs> people can doubt it as much as they want. I've seen it. I've taught yeah. it. I am so happy to be able to share that with other people, the knowledge that I've learned about that. And if you ever want to learn that, please find a Tantra instructor, uh, whoever you want to. You can look on the Authent- Institute of Authentic Tantra has a practitioner page. And there's tons of people, men and women, uh, all genders, all you know nationalities. We have lots of people out there that can help you figure out what it is that you're looking for. Uh, Maybe it's just a conversation away, but I totally believe that you should have that conversation with somebody with a little bit of knowledge. Now, speaking of knowledge, Mm -hmm. let's talk about your favorite porn star.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jenna Davidson,
1: my long-lost
0: sister separated from birth.
1: Tell me your story about Jenna Jameson.
0: Well, we were, we were born on April 9th, 1974. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Natchport and I think she grew up, I don't even know where, but we were separated from birth and that's the story I'm sticking to. So Jenna and I are, She just like, I think when I was growing up, um, she was a, a really popular porn star and I, I watched a lot of her porn and um I just love her.
1: Do you have a favorite movie that you'd like to run? Uh,
0: no I really don't <laughs> have a favorite of hers. You could probably put her in front of me and that's probably one female that I would probably fuck pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: I love it. I love it. Well I mean you know she's a hot chick. For well, sure. She's hot. I haven't seen her. am not gonna lie. But I haven't been again in the last three or four years in this journey. Um, you know, with my husband, we were trying, I was trying to move him away from porn, yeah, and more towards he's a huge fan of erotica. And one of the best things ever, I'm going to tell you, if you can ever get this to happen for you, um, anybody listening, is he reads erotica to me, erotica, he reads it out loud in bed, yeah, and you know, it's just it seems silly. He, you know, that No, was,
0: that's I actually hot. Burn. That's something that I need. I want to start implementing into our practice of quality sex time.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because you talked about like the whole 25 to 35 minutes of like clitoral stimulation before yeah. you even start. I think that more and more people need to, you have to think of other ways other than just, you know, a blow job or going down on somebody or, you know, you have to implement other things and you kind of get stagnant in what you do. And erotica is just something else that you can add another tool to the trade.
1: That's exactly right. But in, in our largest sex organ guys, hello, is our brain. Right. So being able to fantasize and have these discussions is mm-hmm. the most important part of a relationship in my mind So that, you know, you, you can keep it fresh and, and honest and open. And if you guys choose to do whatever you choose to do as a couple, then you, you have each other's backs the whole time. Like you're, that's it. And this doesn't necessarily just have to be for, you know, um, heterosexual couples. This can be for any set of couples or even again, let's talk about pleasure for yourself. If you love to listen to erotica they have mm-hmm. it on Audible, I've seen yeah. it <laughs> on occasion. Amazon can, erotica. Yeah, on occasion I'll get a new book pops up on my library and I'm like, oh, I didn't get that.
0: What's <laughs> this one yet. What's this, uh, what's this all about? A
1: reading party, that's what we're yeah. gonna do.
0: That's what we should do. We need to invent like a new kind of book club and we'll just make it all about erotica.
1: Hey, we can.
0: Let's, Let's do, do it. it.
1: We can do it on Clubhouse. Yeah. Totally. Okay. I
0: think that's a great idea.
1: We're, we're totally going to do that. Holy cow. Okay. Well, Wendy, thank you for that. (laughs) We're totally (laughs) going to do that. You can be, you know what we're going to have, what do you want to name it? We'll call it Wendy Wendy's Wednesdays.
0: Yes. Wednesdays, when, (laughs) when, Wendy's Wednesdays with, with, uh, I don't know. that's all I can cleaners. think of right now. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't come, comes to mind <laughs> let me let me revisit that
1: okay. so we are hey hang in there guys we are going to talk about having an erotica book club I think yeah. that's a great idea holy shit Wendy thanks yeah. and you're totally going to be in charge of that because you work from home so you
0: totally will <laughs>
1: We're going to set up times and we'll have to do, I, that's awesome. Oh my God. Cause
0: there's like a windy podcast voice. And then there's this windy erotica voice that will just okay. get you off in 30 seconds.
1: Well, <laughs> and a lot of people will talk to me like right now I'm doing my podcast voice. I don't throw my, yeah my Kentucky accent in because I try right. really hard not to, and not to offend my Kentucky families or friends, but you know, I try it's a dictation thing i have, yes. to, I have to do i have a
0: customer service voice we all have a customer there you go. service voice there you go. The yeah. six,
1: six octaves higher than what we're mm-hmm. oh yeah hi hi yeah it's, it's pollyanna that's me
0: i <laughs> don't want my customer service voice and my erotica voice to come into play together <laughs> not hot
1: I love it. And oh gosh, Wendy, this has been such a great fun. I'm so happy to have had you on here. Just really quick guys. I just want to give Wendy a couple minutes to wrap up any, any uh, other comments or things that you wanted to let people know about Wendy while I have you on here.
0: Oh, I mean, I think, I hope that I've reached you know, women our age that might be going through something similar to the experiences that I've shared and just that it's okay to, it's okay to love yourself. It's okay to love yourself enough to pleasure yourself and to speak up in the bed um, in your relationships and to just say what you want and what your needs are, that it's perfectly okay and acceptable to do that. So I think that's that's the big message that I would like to share with everybody today because don't make the ris- the mistakes that I've done and, and wait so long. Life's too short and everybody deserves a good orgasm.
1: You are so right on that. <laughs> and on that note, I will end with, huh? <laughs> everybody deserves a good orgasm. We need t-shirts that say that. Yes. All right, so this is Pollyanna Amazing. Again, you can find me at buriedpleasures.com buriedpleasures on twitter you can find me at pleasure pathways on facebook and instagram wendy it has been great you're gonna have to apologize to mike for all of this trash talk about him but uh thanks guys and have a good night bye